Good morning, good evening, and good night. My name is Christian Picara, and this is Please Keep Talking, the show where me and a couple of my friends get together and discuss topics we find interesting. This week's episode is called Medieval Madness. Grab yourself a snack and get yourself comfortable because the show is about to start. But first, a message from our sponsors. The following podcast is sponsored by the New Hood College Gear Shop. The gear shop replaces the Old Hood College Bookstore. Most of us remember the bookstore as just the place where we bought or rented books. Well, that's not the case anymore. The Hood College Gear Shop is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood-branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They may even have Hood-branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The gear shop has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The Hood gear shop has your back. Need a last-minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is, the Hood College gear shop has you covered for all your gifts, school, snacks, and blazer-branded clothing needs. So next time you are in Wit, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Christian Ficarra, and the name of this podcast, Please Keep Talking, and receive 10% off your purchase of any Hood-branded merch. But listen to the show first. Today, I am joined by my friends Andre Johnson. Hello, hello. And Andrew Miller. Hi there. We are talking about some crazy characters from the medieval times. Um, we got three for you today. Andrew, why don't you get us started? All right. Well, I'm going to be talking about a little-known guy named Federico de Montefeltro. A you name that, say if, that again. <laughs> <laughs> Federico de Montefeltro. There you go. If you can pronounce that at home, I you're probably better than I am at this. Uh, now this guy is not so much. He's more of a tame mad lad, but still a mad lad in his own right. Um, born in Italy to the Montefeltro family, uh, who were at the time ruling over a little-known town called Urbino. Uh, he was the illegitimate son of his father, but was legitimized later in his life by a pope, Pope Martin V. Oh, yeah. So oh. obviously, right from the start, he's got some family connections to high pe- people in high power. That kind of sounds like a, a comic that we're reading right now. The, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, the mm. Baskervilles. <laughs> uh, great comic for anyone. It, yeah, it's great. It's great. You can read it. Um that's that's cool though. You don't really get to hear too many stories about you know illegitimate children being legitimized. No. That's very it's very cool and interesting. Yeah, it's a, it was a fun time. Uh, he went to he was then sent off to school in Venice where he got a kind of a humanist humanity education. This is in uh, the 1400s, so this is kind of a little bit before the Renaissance, but the ideas are starting to be around those kind of concepts are starting to exist in the uh, world. Uh, during all, he is Italian. He was born in Italy, and once he had been gone to school in Venice, he kind of graduated. Although it wasn't really known as graduation back then, and he was knighted at fifteen oh, wow. by the oh. Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, <laughs> oh, <my> Sigismund. <laughs> so again, we're seeing those connections to people in Jesus. high power by his family. Um, but he would not put that knighthood to waste. Uh, at sixteen he became a condettiero, 
which is basically in Renaissance Italy, a mercenary. Wars in Italy at the time weren't really fought between standing armies. It was basically just various mercenary groups that the city-states would hire, fight a war with, and then pay. Although, if they didn't pay, that often led to other wars, and that is a commonplace in Renaissance Italy, where a group of mercenaries will not be paid, and another group of mercenaries is paid to take out the first group. And there's a little bit of a snowball when the city doesn't pay the second group, but, you know... So he becomes this mercenary fighter for his um, for his little town. He is hired by Venice, the city where he's got his education, and started for the next five or ten years kind of learning the trade. Uh, he became pretty damn good at it. He actually never lost a battle in his life. Really? Oh, wow. Really. Wow. So, you know, you hear about these people, these, you know, the Alexanders and, you know, that kind, that type of guy who managed to command empires. But they're also, you know, small-time guys, just lowly mercenary well, commanders. Also, didn't also Alexander have... die at a very young age? Yeah, he died at, like, 26. Yeah, uh, when, did, when did this guy die? Oh, he died in his, I believe, 60s, 70s. Wow. He wow. lived a long and happy life out of curiosity how how long did your guy live for my guy lived until he was 56 okay uh, some uh, middle age uh my guy coming up lived till he was like 80 so oh, wow. we've got some long-lived heroes <laughs> 81 he was yeah we got some very i mean as i've learned over the course of the semester in my medieval class people had not the best life expectancies but they weren't dying at like 20 no nah. They made it relatively made it. You into just, like later. You just years. hear a lot about it because of the high infant mortality rate. Yeah. You know, because yes. it's like, yeah, we got a lot of infants dying, but you know, if you lived as an infant, you're probably gonna live a little longer than most people would expect you to, unless you're something like a knight or, you know, a military yeah, man, a mercenary. You're, you're, you're a mercenary. You're probably gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you might die if you're not great at it. Anyways, continue. This guy survived till he was 60, and he was still commanding armies, by at the way. 60? When he was 60. That's awesome. That's how he died. That is so cool. He was struck in a battle uh, in 1482 and was killed, unfortunately. But, you know, commanding he commanded armies for... He was a mercenary for... That would have been 44 years of his life. Wow. So his pretty much his entire wow. life he is a mercenary and he never lost a battle. Wow. And there's a key thing to know about him. In Venice at this time, with everybody hiring mercenaries to fight their wars, it's very easy for a city state to hire a mercenary group and for the people they're fighting to just pay the mercenaries more and the mercenaries will switch sides. Mm -hmm. This guy didn't. He was known for two things. He was known for being honorable, always honoring his contracts. If you hired him, he was fighting for you to the end. And for never losing a battle. That's amazing. So this guy gets a reputation, right? That's crazy. Um, on the topic of never losing a battle, funny story here. When I was in seventh grade, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just just hold up, hold up. My uh, my my history teacher. We were, uh, you know, we learned about the Civil War in seventh grade. We did a mock battle, um, a mock Civil War battle, right? And he had never lost. He had never lost in all the years of him teaching there and all the years of him doing the reenactment, essentially. 
Um, this particular year, he was like, eh, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to fight on the others, like the Confederacy side, instead of fighting for, you know, what were we called? Union. 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 Yeah, there we go. So he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. Plus, uh, the Union, like, we had a mock, like, government, essentially, in class. And the Union kind of whooped the, uh, the Confederacy, like, <laughs> on every front. Nice. It was insane. Yeah. But, um... Anyways, that was the only year that he lost. It, <laughs> it was also the quickest because usually it was like an all-day thing. Like he expected us to be out there for like four hours. We were out there for 20 minutes before their side lost. So go Union. Tells you something about the Confederates. Anyway. Go Union. If, wait, what, what's the joke? If like they've been around – like Lego Ninjago has been around for longer than the Confederacy was or something there are a like lot that. Of things now that have been around longer. Than I just think that's funny. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if we're pissing off anybody who still holds values with the Confederacy, good. Um, anyways, let's get back into your guy. All right. So basically he gets this reputation for being honorable, never betraying a friend, never betraying a contract, always winning his battles. So people don't want to fight him. So he is one of the few people that not only is a high-priced mercenary, but has a high price for doing nothing. Because he had running contracts with various cities not to go to war. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, he amasses this large fortune, but at the same time, at the same time, he is a prince of this town called Urbina. And he gives he cares about this town. He really wants this town to survive. He's been a mercenary contract mercenary fighter his entire life. He's seen what war does to places. And so he literally shapes the wars that are going on in Italy to make sure his town is never affected. No contract, no strategic consideration, nothing will make war come to his town. Wow. And he pours this massive fortune, all this money that he's being paid, into this town as well. He creates a college. He brings in scholars from all over the Italian world and all over from Europe in general. He has monks and intellectuals copying down old um, literature and old stories just to make sure they're preserved. He, Urbino becomes one of the hearts of where the Renaissance started a a center of intellectual learning that protected from the raging wars that were going on in Europe at the time it becomes this just little nugget of knowledge that helped the renaissance get started which is kind of really why i think of him as a mad lad because it takes a certain kind of man to both be a warrior and a scholar and to be so good at both you know Winning every battle, many men have done that. Founding intellectual institutions, many men have done that. Few men have done both. He's a very he's like a European Sun Tzu. Exactly. A man not of just war but of learning. Also during this period, um, he most of the time when he was off fighting, he left the governance of his uh, town, Urbino, to his wife, which was another non-typical thing to do in Italy. Wives were not trusted. You normally had multiple of them. They were normally, you know, it was the classic European medieval thing of uh, seen, not heard, 
you know, their advice wasn't heeded, but he did. He not only heeded his wife's advice and listened to her, he trusted her with the affairs of his little princedom. And he, gave, he cared about his people as well. He would walk the streets of his town and listen to their problems and help resolve them, you know, what public infrastructure needed updating. He, would just, he just was an everyday man to them, even though he was their prince. He was their ruler. And you know, he's just so different from what we see the norm being for nobility at the time that he just had a different way of looking at the world than pretty much almost everybody around him. And it's just so incredible to see this type of character be so successful. Because normally we think of you know forward thinkers as kind of pushed aside or you know, they don't have as much effect on the world as we hope they would. But this guy did. He helped start, you know, start the Renaissance, helped protect a town of thousands from the ravages of war, and kind of just helped shape Italy itself. He was truly a mad lad. I absolutely love the stories of like very intellectual warriors. Because you never hear that. Yeah. You always hear the stories about the crazy dudes. Um, for example, my guy, which is coming <laughs> up soon, absolute insane man. But it's so nice to know that, you know, there were these people. There were these people that were smart and knew how to run a battlefield. And care for their people. And also. care for their people. You don't hear that anymore. No. You don't hear about like generals being like, oh, I love my town so much. I'm going <laughs> to donate all my fundings to it and prop it up to Literally be a place. Of... Shape wars so they don't Shape. come to this Ex town. That is insane. You don't hear that anymore. You know? It's insane. The closest you might hear about it is how America, like, we haven't had a real war on American soil since, what, the Civil War? World War Two, I think, is also a good one. It, it depends if you consider does it count, Alaska. Does it count? I mean... I look, Alaska, yeah. Like, Alaska is technically was fought in... It wasn't a state at the time, was I believe. It? I don't believe so. I thought, I thought they bought... I thought... Well, we bought Alaska. That doesn't make we it We bought a state, Alaska, though. but that was a... <laughs> It, it would be like, um, it would be equivalent to fighting on Guam. You know, it wasn't like a state at the time. Um, 1959. Yeah, after the war. Okay. It wasn't a state at the time. It was more just a territory. It okay. depends what you consider American soil. But yeah, the Civil War was the last main time. Yeah, and that was just uh, Americans killing yeah, Americans. Yeah, that was, that was something else. Yeah, that was something else. But anyways... One more time, what was your guy's name? Federico de Montefeltro. Very interesting character. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hear ye, hear ye, gavel, gavel. <laughs> I am going to dub him the European Sung Tzu. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. All right. Andre, who do you got for us? Today, I've got Rodrigo Diaz de Vivar. Also known as El Cid. El Cid. El Cid just translates to the Lord. But the Lord. <laughs> it translates to the Lord, but it's become so synonymous with him. When you hear the words El Cid, you think of him. I think of Ice Age. <laughs> El Cid. Right, you can think of Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> and but, Toy Story. 
speaking about how you were talking about how you loved hearing about intelligent men, intelligent yeah. warriors. Yeah. This man was known as the teacher of the field Ooh. or the master of the battlefield. Ooh. He was born in 1043 in Viviar. Viviar. He was born a member of minor nobility. He was brought up in the court of Fernadad the Great. Since he was a minor noble, he had to serve under Ferndad's son, Sancho II. At the age of 22, he was running three separate military campaigns at the same time against Sancho's two brothers as well as the Muslim kingdom. Wow. During that time, he became renowned for his military prowess, his strategy, pretty much everything you would ever want in a commander. Unfortunately... Coming in around 1072, his lord, Sancho II, was murdered. And they don't know who killed him. There were suspicions that it was his brother. But we never found that out. And since his lord was killed and he had no children, his brother, Alfonso, ended up becoming the king, taking the throne. So El Cid had to serve under Alfonso for a few years before eventually being exiled because you know how nobles are yes after being exiled he moved on and found work fighting as a mercenary for the muslim kingdoms that he was fighting against while under the rule of sancho and there he regained his reputation and was renowned as a strategist and military leader in battles against spain but his former home during this time, he just he fought against the large Christian army of King Ramirez of Aragon. And he repeatedly won battles against him, giving him the title El Campador, which is his title of teacher of the field. He got that title through slaying a Aragon knight in single combat after routing the king from the battlefield. Oh. Interesting. Yes. And during after he battled and won in this fight, a familiar face came by Alfonso, the slayer of his brother, or the alleged slayer, came by and said, Hey, we really need you over <laughs> here. We really don't like fighting against you. Please come back to our side. Please. <laughs> so Alfonso offered El Cid both territories of his old lord, as well as a large financial sum mm-hmm. to rejoin the Spanish Empire as a lord. And what did El Cid say to that? El, so- El Cid, he accepted, quote unquote, accepted this offer. And became a, a lord, the Prince of Valencia. And after coming back, the Spains ended up going to war against the Muslims again. And El Cid, he would help Alfonso win battles. But if it looked like the battle was going bad for Alfonso, he would stop sending his men in to help. He would just kind of watch over the battle to see which side was winning so he could pick where he wanted to be. Going back to the last guy, so not quite the uh, staying by everybody's side. No. <laughs> <through to> the- <laughs> he kind of reminds me of Alcibiades from 
was it Greek or Roman? It was Greek. Greek. It was Greek because I remember he was in Athens, and then Athens kicked him out. <laughs> so he went to Sparta and got in a lot of trouble in Sparta, became their general for a bit, but then got in a lot of trouble because he started sleeping with all <laughs> the general's wives. <laughs> so they kicked him out. And then I forget. He was either It was either Athens or Sparta, he was welcomed back. He was welcomed back as a hero. I think it was Athens. Athens, yeah, because he went back. To, oh, I know what happened. So in Athens, a night before a battle, he went around to a bunch of statues of one of the gods or something and ripped off all of the penises. <laughs> <laughs> he ripped them all off before a big battle. Truly a painful metaphor for those. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh and then there's another dude the war the dog meat general he had some there was a time when on a battlefield or something he uh like they were getting messed up bad by the weather so what he did is he started firing cannons into the sky <laughs> and he started shouting at the storm god or whatever like if you don't stop this i'm gonna do bad things and then the next day the storm stopped <laughs> it was the goofiest thing ever there's some goofy characters from history <laughs> but no that he was el cid reminds me of alcibiades oh, a yes. lot he el cid ended up becoming a spanish folk hero through all of his Experience. military feats and just how overall of a badass he was. I can see why. He was depicted in many. He was songs, video games, films. People still put him in games now. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the popular Rise of Kingdoms mobile game. <laughs> it, it, it? It's popular to some people. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't play it. But Rise <laughs> of Kingdoms. He's one of the players you could play as in that game. Is he in Mountain Blade? No. He is in Total War. He's in Total War. This podcast not sponsored by Rise of Kingdoms. It is Um, not. No, it's not. (laughs) Don't. It's not that bad of a game from what I hear. Oh, my God. The freaking ads, though, are so goofy. (laughs) (laughs) Pick the Japanese. They have a technology boost. No, I'm going to pick the Vikings. They harvest resources twice as fast. I'm going to pick El Cid because he's cool. (laughs) Why won't you let me into this restaurant? You only have three million power. Pick I, have over, I have over 5 million pounds. <laughs> They're all vaguely European. It's like they couldn't get like the, the good actor. So they put out a calling on like what's on like a Eastern like European go, casting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> How did you get so much? Haha, I have I have the 7,000 free draws. <laughs> I put LC in my free draw, <laughs> giving me 10 million power. <laughs> right for Rise of Kingdom. <laughs> Please sponsor us. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen at home. This is kind of just a thing for us. <laughs> I think my mom and sister are watching right now. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi, cat. Shout out to... Shout out to the Ficara family. Yep. Shout out Christina Applegate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, do you have any? Do we, do we have any closing thoughts on El Cid? I mean, I I think he's an extremely underrated underrated mad lad. Imagine the brother of your lord exiling you, 
and then coming back to you and begging for you to come back and fight for him because of how badly you were destroying him <laughs> on the opposite side. <laughs> and then after he comes back, he just doesn't really help you that much anyway. He just kind of sits there. <laughs> yeah, you betrayed him. <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> give me money. <laughs> give me money, give me land, and, and I, I might help my, And maybe I'll stop attacking you. <laughs> Well, you know, it's kind of like with my mad lad. At least he's not fighting against you. you know? <laughs> uh, speaking of fighting against people, let's now talk about someone that was fighting with everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm going to butcher his name. Gotz von Berlichenga, Chengen, Berlinchengen, other, better known as Gotz of the Iron Hand. Um... <laughs> This guy was the first prost- was one of the first um, soldiers to have a prosthesis and fight on the battlefield. Um, he was relatively unknown uh, before he, you know, lost his hand, and uh, the exact methods of how he lost his hand are very like disputed and we'll get into that in a second but in 19 in 18 in 1497 he entered the service of frederick the first um he was a margrave of brandenburg einsbach uh and then uh, the next year he fought in the armies of the holy roman emperor maximilian the first um it was a few years later in 1504 when he lost his right arm at the wrist. Um, and many people say it's because a cannon, there's always a cannon involved. It was either a cannon fired and hit his sword and caused his sword <laughs> to go down on his wrist and cut his own hand off, or just the cannonball just took his hand clean off. Um, but. Whatever it was, he was very sad. You know, if you lost your hand as a military man, especially your sword hand, mm-hmm. you your career was done. You were you were sent back home. Yeah. Um, however, he was inspired by watching one of his own soldiers who had his entire arm torn off. Um, after having his arm torn off, he continued to fight <laughs> that soldier probably died but you know most likely so what he did is he went to a blacksmith and he had this blacksmith construct him two iron hands one of them was a very rudimentary design he could do things like sip a cup of tea or you know it was it was like his his home hand <laughs> like he went home and he put this hand on and he also had a second one and he could do things uh like adjust the fingers so that he could do things it's very complex for its time um he could write with this hand uh you know he could do basic activities with this hand that you know you wouldn't be able to with his other hand most importantly he could hold his sword again so he was back in the fight (laughs) and from then on he went to be a very successful um soldier he was 
he was credited with many battles. He had a lot of people under his command that respected him. Um, however, <laughs> what do Germans do <laughs> that they do better than probably everybody? They pick fights. Gotts got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> he would go to bars and pubs and taverns and get drunk, very drunk, and he would start feuds with these with people. Um, considering that he was a nobleman that was in an army, he would go to pubs where noblemen were. So he would piss off noblemen. <laughs> and he would start uh, fights with entire cities uh, because of his antics. Um, another thing he did is in 1525, when the outbreak of the German Peasants' War happened, he led in a he was approached by the rebel army. And who offered him a ton of gold, and he was like, and they were like, "Please lead us." So he did. <laughs> he <laughs> led the peasants' army against the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> when, <laughs> when after the rebellion was squashed, the Holy Roman Empire came and were like, "Hey, why did you do this?" He was like, "I don't know. I don't know. I just did." Um, and they were like, eh, whatever. Um, and then they banished him. <laughs> and a thing to understand about the Holy Roman Empire is when they banished you, it wasn't necessarily a banishment. It was just essentially stripping away all of your rights. Um, it was legal to raid his castle. It was legal to steal from his castle, and it was legal to kill him. <laughs> um, many tried, and all failed. <laughs> Just, that's how insane this guy was. He fought off attackers. Eventually, he paid his dues to the Empire, and they released the banishment on him. Um, until he got another one on him. <laughs> and it repeated all again. Um, so, yeah. He... Same song and dance. People tried to kill him. They failed. And eventually he just paid his dues because it was more of an annoyance to him than anything to have to keep fighting off these <laughs> attackers. Um, after a while, he retired and just lived out the rest of his life in relative peace. And eventually he died at the age of 81. He married twice, left three daughters, and had seven sons to carry on his family name. Mm. Um, what's that one? Did you guys ever sing this? I was like, seven sons, seven sons, seven sons, said Father Abraham. You've never heard that? No. Oh my God. I think it was a, like a vacation Bible school thing. Y'all didn't go to vacation Bible school, did y'all? I know you didn't. No. Did you ever go to vacation Bible school? Are you asking the atheist with an atheist family if he went to vacation Bible school? I didn't know that your family was atheist. I know he was. I didn't know y'all were atheists. The more you know. <laughs> Shut up, Andrew. <laughs> but yeah, I went to vacation Bible school. It was interesting. Oh, 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 I I totally forgot about this. This is his legacy here. Um, he was the first person in recorded history to ever say, kiss my ass. <laughs> he told... Uh, there was a battle where he was invited to surrender um, by a Swabian general, and Gotts 
reportedly said he can lick my ass. <laughs> Truly something to be proud of and remembered for. Um, 200 years later, Johann Wolfgang von Geoff published the play about his life, Goth von... Uh, it's literally called Gotts von Berlichingen. Um, and there is a song in that play called Lick My Ass. There are there are recordings of women <laughs> because it was it was a it was a play. There's a, it's a very high octave song or whatever. Uh, yeah, and there are just women. There are women that sing "Lick My Arse." It literally goes. They say "Lick Lick My Arse" over and over again. It's beautiful. I don't think that's very beautiful. Well, you know, that kind of beauty. Beauty's in the eye of the holder. Yes. And in the um, arse being licked, I guess. <laughs> oh, it was Mozart. Mozart oh made the song. God. Um, he had a play written about him based on his autobiography, which he wrote. And uh, there is a Mozart song called Lick Me in Mine Arse. <laughs> Why do you look so disappointed? I don't know. <laughs> one of the things he's most remembered for. <laughs> well, him. I mean, the, this, the main thing he was remembered for was his iron hand. I mean, that's fair. Yes, Gott's iron hand. Yes, may have been remembered for. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> Mans was just goofy. A mad lad, to be sure. <laughs> A goofy boy. Well, you know, it's those medieval times. They definitely produce characters of a different quality than we <laughs> may have ever seen. Jesus. Anyways, any closing thoughts on Gott's iron hand before we wrap it up here, fellas? Which hand was it? <sighs> what was it? Uh, what, uh, this one. The right hand. <laughs> That's really Um, If you guys are interested and you want to go see his hand... Uh, where is it? It's on display somewhere in Germany. <laughs> Thank um, you. What? <laughs> the tourist information. If you would like to go visit Germany, if you're in Germany for any reason, uh, take it's your somewhere. phone, go to Google Maps, and search. Search where Germany is. <laughs> Find Germany. <laughs> if you're in Germany... Hold go up. to Google I'm Maps and find Germany. Where you can find it. Both are on display today at the Berg Yag. What? <laughs> I'm going to plug this in for the. For those that don't speak German, uh, copy and paste it from Google into your search engine and you will find it. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Uh, pronunciation. We're professionals here, folks. Are we? No. How to pronounce. What the. No. <laughs> it's bringing up a bunch of stuff that I don't. It's a it's a museum. Okay. Is it the museum of Burgos? It's the Berg. Oh, it's the castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a museum at all. It's a castle. <laughs> it's in Gottensburg. I believe that was his territory. Oh, <laughs> Gottensburg or whatever. How do you pronounce this? 
Yogsthausen. Yogsthausen, I think that's how you say it. Yogsthausen. That's where it is. If you want to go, go to Yogsthausen Castle. And you can go see both of his hands. Andrew, why do you look so disappointed? <laughs> All right, sorry, I'm currently doing a paper. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're terrified. I'm terrified of my paper. <laughs> <laughs> Not on uh, <laughs> Federico de Montefeltro. <laughs> if I do it in an Italian accent, apparently I can pronounce it. Um, otherwise, no. Oh my gosh. Well, we've had quite the... We've had quite the time the here. The triplet of <laughs> Mad Lads and various conversations. Thank each and every single one of you who is listening for listening. Um, next time, we are going to be talking about our favorite Dungeons & Dragons moments. We're going to have a ton of people in here. They're each going to tell us a story. It's going to be amazing. I really hope you can join us for that one. Um, Our last episode, I believe. It's going to be the last episode of Please Keep Talking. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you're there. Make sure you are there. Time passes so quickly. Because you two definitely will be. Of course. Yes, of course. We're going to have a ton of people. Anyways, thank you all for listening to Please Keep Talking. I'm Christian Vicara. I'm Andre Johnson. I'm Andrew Miller. Have an amazing, amazing,